Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Burn Your Draft, an exploration of the Reed College senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Frank Tangerlini, and this week we'll be talking with Ella Fisher. To many, 2020 has felt like one long joke. Today, we'll hear from Ella on why that might be. I am going to record it on Zoom just for like, backup audio, but your video won't be used, even though you wearing your laurels is a great look. (laughs) Oh, yes. Thank you. I was like, well, I turned it in yesterday, so I was like, I might as well wear them. Congrats. Well, do you want to start by just introducing yourself? What's your major, your title of your thesis? And then also just how you're doing during this quarantine. Awesome. Um, My name is Ella Fisher. I am a senior English major from Los Angeles, California, technically the Valley, but like we don't talk about the Valley. Um, And I have written a thesis on the relationship between trauma and stand-up comedy called Laughing at Some Fucked Up Shit, an investigation into the relationship between trauma and stand-up comedy. That is the full title. Wow. Good title. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I mean, before, uh, literally last week, I'm pretty sure the title was Straight White Men Aren't Funny. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I, I wanted to do it, but then I was like, laughing at some fucked up shit does make more sense right now. Um, and then how am I doing in this quarantine? Um, God, I mean, that question changes every single day, you know? Um, I feel rather hopeless for my future, as I'm sure every person born in 1997 through 99 feel right now, who are graduating college and feel like, you know, this is one big troll. There's like an added layer of just like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? But I will say the humor part uh, has not come yet. And we're only six weeks into this, so I feel like that could come in in time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm worried. When will the punchline be? So back to your thesis. Yes. Oh, yeah, my dumb thesis. (laughs) What is it about? Basically, my thesis is about the idea that trauma and traumatic experience has a very deep tie to the comedic genre of stand-up comedy. And I basically, through literary analysis, tried to figure out why that is the case. And I looked at two different stand-ups. I looked at Richard Pryor, um, who was a a comedian in the 70s. and he was a very, very big name comedian. One of the first like big stand-up comedians and one of the first big um, black stand-up comedians. I actually and just then, watched one of his videos in preparation for this call. That's wonderful. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, like he was the beginning of modern stand-up comedy in a lot of ways. And I mean, stand-up comedy in the America started realistically in the 50s and 60s with Jewish people and the children of immigrant Jews from Europe who survived the Holocaust cost, interestingly. And so in stand-up comedy, there's always been this generational tie to trauma and humor and trauma have been studied together. I mean, what I noticed in my research and I wrote about in my introduction to my thesis is that there's so many literary ties between the two concepts because of Freud. Freud wrote the theory, like a joke theory, basically. He wrote one of the fundamental joke theories. And then he also wrote like some of the fundamental works on trauma theory, And so there's always been that connection. And I sort of, with my thesis, wanted to both record that connection 
and parse it out through just the lens of literary analysis. Meaning like I sat down, I watched two Richard Pryor specials, and then I watched um, the second comedian I studied was Hannah Gadsby, who did Nanette, which you might be familiar with. It was released on Netflix in 2018. I looked at these two um, stand-ups because I found in my just in my own um, personal research, because I, I do love stand-up, that they were saying kind of very fundamentally different things about the idea of trauma in stand-up. So Richard Pryor's work is a testament to how incorporating traumatic material from one's life is so effective as, as like a topic in stand-up. And then, you know, Hannah Gadsby literally like very explicitly in her special is articulating that um, stand-up comedy actually causes more trauma to marginalized individuals who take the mantle up than it like resolves it. And so um, one thing to note about my thesis is like, I'm really not studying the history of like white male comedy, um, which is why my thesis was almost called white men aren't funny or straight white men aren't funny. But I was definitely the focus that I was on because of like my own personal experience and because of what I just think generally is that like marginalized people and people who experience a lot of the just the margins of society in the United States and abroad um, experience trauma differently and also experience humor differently and in a way that you know and they convey humor in a way that like brings a lot of people together and um, is super super effective and affective as well. Could those arguments not go together? Like could trauma not drive comedy as well as keep it fueled? It, yes. And that's like kind of the, that's like the thing about my thesis is like, there's no right answer to this question. There's no right answer to, or what should trauma become in comedy or should, tr does trauma have a place in comedy? It does have a place in comedy. It has historically had a place in comedy. Like you kind of can't tackle or you can't confront stand-up comedy specifically without um, talking about the trauma that's associated with the individual and with identities associated with the individual. And a lot of that is because um, comedy changed when Richard Pryor started talking about the Black experience in America, when he started talking about the experience of being a drug addict in his sets. Um, the reason I chose Pryor specifically was because anecdotally, one of the most famous things about him is he set himself on fire and survived to tell the tale. And sort of had two near-death experiences. The first, in 76, I believe, he was a drug addict for many years, and um, he had a near-fatal heart attack somewhere in his mid to late 30s, and then a year later got on stage and did a whole bit about his heart attack. It's one of the most famous bits in his um, repertoire. And then two years later, he sets himself on fire, um, also drug-related, and burns like 60% of his body and then again comes back a year later and does a whole show about that revolves around the fact that he was that he set himself on fire and they're two of the f committing to the bit there it's committing to the bit it really is i mean it's it's truly one of also one of the funniest bits i've ever seen like he's still like comedy's not institutional i talk about this in my thesis that um what state what's funny doesn't stay funny for the rest of time which is kind of where we're at in comedy now. A lot of comedians from the late 20th century dealing with the fact that their material 
excuse me, is not considered funny anymore because we've shifted as a culture and, you know, some of the material, some like race-based material, gender-based material, you know, class-based material that was funny to a certain group of people is now not funny. And a lot of older comedians can't deal with that. A lot of white, specifically white male older comedians don't want to deal with the fact that society's changed and you kind of can't make a joke about trans people being derogatory, like a derogatory joke about trans people anymore, for example, or, you know, you kind of can't say the same things that you were saying beforehand. And that's changed even within the past, like five, six years as well. And that's fine because like, that's how society works. Like things like we don't find the same shit funny that we did in the sixties. If we did, we'd be a lot worse off of a society, but like, it's the same thing just with like all comedy, what we find funny now and the memes we find funny now people in like 30, 40, 50 years are going to be like, wow, why the fuck did they think that was terrible? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just how the world works. Like society should change and progress forward and comedy should change along with it. But the thing with Richard Pryor is he's still kind of funny. Like he's still very funny. Like a lot of his, some of his material, like no, but like a lot of his material is still fundamentally, you can point to it as like a masterclass in stand-up comedy and what he did as like, you know, foundational to stand-up comedy as a whole and its longevity. And you wouldn't have a lot of comedians now if you didn't have Richard Pryor. And that's not just like other black male comedians, a la Chappelle, a la Chris Rock, you know, Eddie Murphy. You wouldn't have people like Roseanne Barr. You wouldn't have people like Tig Notaro. You wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have a lot of different people. You wouldn't really wouldn't have a Jerry Seinfeld either if you didn't have a Richard Pryor. So he's just so like important and integral to the genre of stand-up comedy that like I couldn't not devote my first chapter to his two most famous um, stand-up specials. And then I did kind of do a 40-year gap in between my first and second chapters. So my second chapter is about Hannah Gadsby, but that's just because um, ideologically their comedy and what they were saying in their comedy was so different that I wanted to juxtapose these two performances and um, just talk about why they're both important. Did you have a plan of comparing them going into your thesis or did you figure it out along the way? Perfect transition. Why did you want to do this topic? (laughs) I wanted to do this topic because comedy is so important to me. Like, I've been through a lot of traumatic experiences in my life. Um, I don't need to really go into it, but like, I have experienced a lot of shit. And when I figured out that I had a sense of humor and that like that sense of humor had been there my entire life, it, it really changed my outlook. It changed how I interacted with the world. It changed how I was in the world. I was like, shit, this is incredible. And then I watched uh, Richard Pryor live in concert for the first time. And when I saw him talking about his heart attack and when I saw him talking about his drug use and the experiences and the traumatic experiences he's had in his life, I was like, oh my God, like this is, that's it. Like my junior year when I saw this special, I was like, I need to do a thesis on this. And then I went to my JSIM advisor at the time, who was the amazing professor, Laura Liebman. And I was like, hey, can we do a thesis on trauma and stand-up comedy? And she was like, yes, yes, we can. (laughs) So I was like, hell yeah. And so I've been thinking about this for most of my junior year. But um, I arrived at Richard Pryor and Hannah Gadsby pretty early into the summer before my senior year, because I was like, wow, you're ahead of the game. 
I have, yeah, that's also kind of my thing is I like being ahead of the game because I was <laughs> afraid of thesis procrastination more I would more than more so than I was afraid of writing the thesis. People are gonna find me an asshole, but I I kind of am that bitch. <laughs> How are you doing on your thesis? I mean, you turned it in, so turned it in. Yeah. Well, what was the outcome? Did you have to change it at all for the quarantine, or were you able to just get it done? Well, I'm going to sound more like an asshole now. I finished my thesis before quarantine started. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I I had um here's the thing. Here's the fucking thing they don't tell you about. <laughs> Basically, you're writing however many small papers that you turn into a large paper. And so I just treated my thesis course as writing a paper a week. Would you start with the topics and then move to the intro and conclusion? Yes, I did. So um, one interesting thing about my thesis is I was like, you know, I did all of the preliminary research on um, Richard Pryor and Hannah Gadsby and then um, was like, you know, I think I'm just going to write my prior chapter first because um, there's a lot, a lot of material and academic papers and books and biographies written about Richard Pryor, more so than Gadsby, but that makes sense because Gadsby only sort of came on the radar a couple years ago. Nice. Um, so did you do stand-up comedy at Reed or in Portland at all? I did not. I, um, I started sort of, before the quarantine, I was starting to plan doing open mics, um, but that sort of uh, has been put on hold, to say the least. Uh, I Instead, I've been in production for my podcast, which is called Who's to Say? Oh, what is it about? Who's to Say? <laughs> uh, it's yeah, literally. So um, I, I have been in production for a podcast because that is one way I can actually bring comedy to people now. And um, as soon as it's safe to like go outside again and gathering is not canceled, um, I plan to get in, in the Portland comedy scene. And Portland's like a great city for comedy too. It's like slowly kind of burgeoned into one of the, you know, hubs of the West Coast for humor, which is really awesome. Yeah, my roommate does stand-up comedy at Reed. So with your thesis, uh, were there any unexpected challenges? Yeah, again, I'm going to sound like the biggest asshole on your <laughs> podcast. Like I, I like just knew what I was doing and I was like, you know, I, I know what I want. It's in stand-up spirit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck it. Yeah, this is, I'm the, no, no surprises here. But I was just like really focused on just trying to personally investigate this relationship for myself. So I wasn't going into it with a hypothesis like, oh, I think this is what the answer to this question is. I was just truly trying to figure this answer out for myself through an academic lens and, uh, you know, being an English major, I have a degree in extrapolation. So um, I think one of the hardest parts, I would say, is describing a stand-up set, Hannah Gadsby's stand-up set, that was a, a stand-up set, but also kind of not a stand-up set and a lecture at the same time. Because, like, Pryor had more of just a traditional, you know, cut and dry, but to tell a joke, set up a punchline, keep telling a joke, and sort of... Um, but Gadsby sort of takes that literally, which is what I love about her, is like, it's literally a form of speech making. L like, just sort of, it takes you behind the curtains, because she literally explains what comedy is and how comedy works in a comedy special. So explaining, like, the meta element to her special was very difficult. And I sort of was like, 
well, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, books written about stand-up comedy, let alone the meta comedy. It was hard to sort of sit down and try to articulate what she was doing that was so different and special. She end it with you had to be there. Yeah, yeah basically you had to be there. Uh, or just like just watch it yourself. You know, you'll get what I mean when you watch it on Netflix. Um, but. Um, Laura's advice for that was just like, just start writing and see what happens. And then that's kind of how I um, took that chapter. And I think like there was like three drafts of that chapter before it actually started sounding correct to me. Um, So that was like the hardest chapter to write, I will say. So how do you think your thesis experience will inform your life after? I think my thesis experience solidified something that I've always felt guilty about and also never really believed myself about, but like, I can fucking write a paper. I know what my strengths are, and my strengths are project management and getting something done when someone asks me to get something done. At least like for my professional life, when I get interviews for work, I do bring up my experience of thesis a lot. And because I consider it just a form of project manage, like a project that I managed. And But it's also like very personally going to inform how I do stand up and how I sort of pursue comedy from here, even if it's not directly in the form of stand-up. You know, I do want to write and, you know, write humorously for the rest of my life because it, I find it so life-affirming. I think it'll be cool to look back and be like, yeah, I did a thesis on stand-up comedy and I was the first person at Reed to do so. That's that's cool. You're the first person to write one on stand-up? Definitely the first in the English department to write a thesis on stand-up. Do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, so basically uh, it's going to start out as a a bit of like a recording the experience of being a young person in quarantine and then I have um, a couple of guests slated for it because um, I want to also use the podcast to um, have the chance to get an oral history from my mom who was a professional dancer in the 80s and 90s in um southern california in the la area oh that's really cool it was super good talking with you and i would love to read your thesis thank you and i wish you all the luck with your podcast and after read i really appreciate it oh my god i will i'd be happy to send it to you too thank you ella for your time and for telling us about your thesis and the amount and kinds of work that went into it Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again to talk to more seniors about their thesis and better understand why you'd want to burn your draft. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Frank Tangerlini. Our executive producer is Seth Pasting, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiger. Nate Martin, staff member and alumnus, is our project manager. Music by alumnus Jack Salvucci and podcast art by alumni Henry Gotchlik and Lillianne Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.